Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Smart Marks Wrestling Podcast presented by thesportshow.com. My name is Jim Parsons. I'm here with thesportshow.com. I'm your regular host for the Smart Marks of Wrestling Podcast. We are on episode 41, so we welcome you back, our second episode of 2020. Thank you for joining us. There's a ton of news to go through today, and we're going to do that as quickly as we can. I mean, I guess we'll take a little bit of time with you here, half an hour or so, but there's tons of news to talk about. There's Raw and SmackDown. There's NXT this week. They're heading towards the Royal Rumble in WWE, which means there's a lot of news to break down, a lot of rumors to go through, the biggest one of which seems to be, and we love to say this, rumor and lock and rumor and guarantee and speculation and for sure, all those adjectives sort of go together, but basically here's the deal, Edge is looking like he's coming back to WWE and he will be an entrant into the Royal Rumble match. This is pretty much almost a done deal now edge is saying he's not doing it he's repeatedly said over and over that he's not making a return but reports are by a number of sources that edge has been medically cleared to return and that the royal rumble is the place that he is going to do so now there's no no guarantee here of any kind that he's going to win this thing i don't even see that being an option i don't imagine that edge's return will lead to him winning the royal rumble and then essentially lead to him as part of a main event in wrestlemania even though that would be a big draw and a huge ticket but he's got to be rusty i mean we're talking about years and years that he's been able to wrestle royal rumble is a good place to put him because it's a match with 30 people and you can hide any of it but then to showcase him in wrestlemania so i don't imagine that if edge does come back in the royal rumble that he's going to be moving on to wrestlemania i just don't see it but there are reports from like mike johnson of pw insider saying that his contract situation with wwe it looks like maybe he's got a new deal uh that he has been medically cleared to go um that the new deal's got a lot of nice upside to it financially it's not just a legends deal anymore so all signs are pointing towards edge coming back but is he actually coming back if you ask him he says no we're gonna find out in a couple weeks here it's now the 11th of january the royal rumble is on the 26th of january there's only a couple weeks left before that comes and goes and we'll see if that happens speaking of the royal rumble there's also news that brock lesnar's revelation or announcement Heyman's talking about Lesnar being the first person that holds the title to ever enter in at number one willingly and try to go through 29 other people and come out the other end, still the champion, as a first in WWE. This was not where WWE was going with this. This was a not the original plan. Apparently, Lesnar was supposed to fight Cain Velasquez at the Royal Rumble, but Velasquez is deemed by WWE is not quite ready yet. Now, he's been back. He was at the Saudi show at Crown Jewel. The match lasted only a few seconds, short enough to just put the whole video on Twitter. That's how short the match was. Velasquez will come back to WWE at some point. He's just not ready yet. And that's normal. That's just the way that things might be. So, in that situation, why put him in a match at the Royal Rumble when he's going to look bad? You need to save Velasquez till he's ready to go, till he looks good, so he doesn't represent you poorly. This is not his fault. He's a UFC guy. He's learning the ropes. He's learning it probably fairly quickly compared to a lot of other people, but you don't want to put him in a main show draw at one of your biggest pay-per-views, which is the Royal Rumble. So what do you do? You take Brock Lesnar, you shove him into the Royal Rumble, you add a huge wrinkle to that pay-per-view, and then potentially throw WrestleMania 36 into utter chaos. Sounds like a good idea to me. The only drawback here would be if Lesnar wins, and I don't see that happening. I don't imagine that WWE has stuck Lesnar in there last minute to have him win what I think they're doing 
is setting it up so that at some point during the match, Lesnar will probably have to lose his spot or lose his place in the Royal because someone comes down and knocks him out, whether that's an entrant like Drew McIntyre, then leading to McIntyre versus Lesnar at WrestleMania, which I would love to see, or Cain Velasquez actually showing up and costing Lesnar the spot that he, or the, the proof that he can go through 29 people, and Velasquez is the reason that he can't ultimately do that. So there's lots of ways that WWE can go with this. It sounds like a good idea considering that your original plan has been thrown out the window. Speaking of Lesnar in the Rumble, Drake Maverick has been really funny. He's been adding all sorts of notes and comments on Twitter and social media saying, please stop asking me to be number two in the Rumble. I don't want to have to be number two. If Lesnar's going in at number one, you can guarantee that Drake Maverick is going to catch a beating if he's number two for about two minutes. And he does not want to do that. He wants to be in the Rumble, but he surely doesn't want to face Lesnar on his own. So he's campaigning against people asking for him to be number two, which guess what? He's probably going to be number two. That's just the way that this seems to go. If he's coming out and saying, hey, I'll be number two, I don't want to be number two, that probably is the plan to make him number two, which would equal a nice pop in the Royal Rumble. It would be funny. Uh, he might just run out of the ring for crying out loud. He'll probably take a beat and he seems like a trooper. Uh, there's other news outside of the Rumble, but it might have something to do with how they're booked and treated at the Rumble. There's rumors that the Revival want to face Harlem Heat, that Booker T has told WWE, if you're going to book me in the Rumble in any way, whether I'm in the match or doing another match, that I need notice. And that notice has since passed since he said this. It was 48 hours. The Revival wanted to face Harlem Heat. Now, here's a couple things. One, do you really want Stevie Ray and Booker T to be at the pay-per-view wrestling? Two, is the Revival going to be given a lot of preferential treatment? Because as we've lately heard... The Revival still has not signed deals with WWE. They have not extended their contracts. They are looking at leaving potentially for AEW or they're holding out for better deals. From what we've gathered lately, a couple of recent reports are that WWE is upping and upping and upping the offers. So at one point it was like a five-year deal worth about half a million bucks per year, which would have equaled 250000 or uh, $2.5 over five years. It's pretty good. Now apparently that's up. It's even higher than what Carl Anderson and Lou Gallows made when they re-signed with WWE, and WWE has apparently lightened the load for the Revival, lessening their bookings during the year so they don't have to work such a hectic schedule. Sounds like they're just throwing everything at the Revival, and they're confident that this is going to get done, that they aren't worried the Revival is going to jump to AEW, they're not going to leave WWE, um, that at some point they're going to sign, and it's just a matter of what's gonna, what it's going to take to get them to do that. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. What does that mean for the Revival in terms of how they're booked going forward? Will they be a big part of the Rumble? Will they get a win? Will they be given a spotlight if they're not going to stay, if WWE thinks that they're going and negotiations start to go sour? You know, you never know, right? So that'll be interesting to watch. So there's all sorts of news coming around the Rumble. Um, some other stuff. Obviously, NXT is going to have a huge hand in it. Um, Adam Cole just won Wrestler of the Year. Uh, 2019, we asked on our Facebook page on thesportster.com whether or not you think Cole deserved it, and there were quite a few comments of people who thought that he did, but a bunch that also said somebody else should have probably won. Um, he's probably going to be involved in the Rumble. He'll be a part of the takeover prior to, and then probably pulling double duty at the Rumble. Guys in the Undisputed Era will be there. Keith Lee will be there. Um, there'll be a lot of NXT guys that are in that match, so 
Royal Rumble is going to be fun. There's just, there's no, it's one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year. Always looking forward to it. Always major surprises. And we already know that Edge might be one of them. There's going to be other returns, possibly. John Morrison will probably be in it now uh, because of the fact that he's now returned on SmackDown. He's going to have a match next week against Big E. He's teamed with The Miz. He's siding with him. So there's lots to look forward to over the next couple weeks. How they're going to book this, I don't know. But you can probably imagine that whatever they choose to do is leading towards whatever they're planning on doing at WrestleMania 36, which means... How is Becky Lynch going to get through Asuka, which she probably will, and who will she face at WrestleMania 36? That's your indication of who runs the Rumble. How does WWE book The Fiend for WrestleMania? Is it going to be against someone like Daniel Bryan? Is it going to be against somebody else? Is it Seth Rollins? Who knows what's happening? Roman Reigns is the favorite at this point to be going on to face The Fiend at WrestleMania, which means that Reigns will probably win the Royal Rumble, which of course no one will love. But that's the logical step to get those two together in a match at WrestleMania. So we'll have to see what happens there. But for me, the Royal Rumble is my favorite pay-per-view of the year. I know WrestleMania might be the biggest, but I still like the Royal Rumble the best. And there's so much going on there. Tons of news to look forward to. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk a little bit of AEW. Darby Allen was recently a guest on Chris Jericho's Talk is Jericho podcast, and he told Jericho that he was actually offered a contract or a deal with WWE a little while back, going through their developmental system. He turned it down. He had no desire to go to WWE, mostly because he felt like he was going to be lost in the shuffle and there would be no idea what to do with him. The opportunities wouldn't be there, that he didn't see himself as a good fit in developmental Clearly, Allen made the right choice here. Now, he's not the big name draw of AEW. That probably belongs to somebody like Chris Jericho, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, John Moxley. But Allen is quickly becoming one of the most popular stars on that brand, in that promotion. He's at the talk of most of the pay-per-views that he's on. He's crazy. He's got a good gimmick. He's got a cool personality. He's one of those guys you like to watch, and you usually end up talking about when you're done. And He's getting those spots in AEW. Now, Cody Rhodes was the guy who signed Allen to AEW after he wrestled a match with Pentagon, just gave him a deal on the spot, which obviously worked out for Allen in terms of his future in wrestling. But it's interesting to note that WWE had their eyes on him somehow and offered him a deal to go through the developmental system. I think he would have been okay in NXT. I think he would have stood out, assuming they let him do some of the things he's doing now. But it goes to show you that and Allen said this, while some of his friends chose AEW over or chose WWE over AEW, excuse me, he's watched they floundered. They haven't succeeded, they haven't really done much. He's glad that he's part of something and he's building from something from the ground floor up, that he's part of a change in the business. He's not just a one fish in a really big pond of a lot of other fish, that he's done something really notable, and he might be one of the biggest stars in AEW when all is said and done. There's also been talk, and this goes back a while, that Allen has sort of said he's not really looking at a long-term career in the wrestling business. Now, I don't know if that's because he's just kind of crazy, and he thinks that maybe at some point he's probably going to get hurt, and he doesn't see this as a long-term thing, or he just doesn't really want to do it. He's the kind of guy that seems to be very up in the air about the things he chooses to do and go after. He seems to do them 110%. Full steam ahead all the time, but I mean, this was a skater. This is a, you know, a Team X kind of guy. This is a, a professional wrestler who's nutty and by most accounts, you know, not dangerous to other people, but almost to himself to a fault. So, you know, if you're going to make the biggest bang for your buck, you're probably going to be able to do that in AEW. So I'd understand 
You can see why he chose AEW. And of course, Jericho is probably super happy to, you know, reveal that news, to share that with the public. Any shot at this point that Jericho can take a WWE and just sort of explain why AEW is better or it's an opportunity for younger guys, he's probably going to take that. So Alan talking on the podcast about how he turned down WWE, you know, doesn't see that very often. Most guys choose WWE, um, but good for Alan. I mean, congratulations on him. He's doing well. He made the right choice. Obviously, not most of the people in the business are probably going to make that choice, but it's worked out for him, so kudos to Darby Allen. I've got a question for you. Did we just watch on Friday Night SmackDown the initiation or the debut or the hint towards a new character change direction for the fiend bray wyatt i think we did i'm getting the sense here that wwe has finally decided that they need to move him in a direction where he's no longer the unstoppable monster that no one can beat this outside of a completely different gimmick change for him and not being the fiend anymore or the double personnel is probably the biggest change you can make to the fiend's character and here i'll tell you why i think this one so far the fiend since returning or bray wyatt since returning to WWE, he's been unstoppable you can't beat him he takes 12 curb stomps doesn't matter he's won the universal title already and far sooner than i ever thought he would he is the guy you can't beat and everybody who goes up against him changes they lose and they're different the Miz is different, Seth Rollins is different, Finn Balor is different, Daniel Bryan is different. Now Daniel Bryan has said, and he said this on Friday Night SmackDown, that he's different in a better way. He's more dangerous, he's more focused than he's ever been. Yeah, he looks different, he might act different, but he's better in a good way. Well, on Friday Night SmackDown, Ramblin' Rabbit almost spilled the beans about how Ray Wyatt can be defeated. There's a secret, there's a weakness apparently that he was going to share with Daniel Bryan before Bray Wyatt grabbed Lab- Ramblin' Rabbit, somewhat destroyed him. He's like Kenny from South Park. Put him in a box, gave him to Bryan as a gift. His carcass was in there. And basically hinted towards the idea that Bray Wyatt can be beaten. And that's huge. If you're WWE and you've been watching The Fiend and you're everybody else who knows The Fiend can't win or can't lose and who's going to take him? Is it Roman Reigns eventually? What's going to happen? They're hinting and dropping the idea that at some point, someone's going to find a weakness. Now, everyone in the history of WWE has had a weakness, whether it's Hulk Hogan or The Undertaker, Ultimate Warrior, Goldberg, Steve Ott, everybody has been beatable at some point or another in their long-term career in WWE. So The Fiend is no different. They just have not shown any signs that that's even remotely out there yet. So that they're doing this on Friday and they're already dropping the idea that there's a weakness somewhere. Now, I reported a long time ago, and you can go on thesports.com and read the article if you want to, my theory was, and I read this theory from somebody else, so I shouldn't say my theory, I got this theory from somewhere else, but I agreed with it. The red light that we all hate so much, that Bray Wyatt wrestles under, the Fiend wrestles under, I think that's the weakness, that somebody's going to discover that that red light is what gives the Fiend his power, what makes him unstoppable, what makes him impervious to pain and unbeatable. What if that red light didn't exist? This is a win on two fronts. One, that would be an interesting way to weaken the Fiend. It's kind of like the opposite of Superman's kryptonite. And at the same time, it gets rid of that stupid red light, which none of us like. Everybody hates that stupid red light, and it drives people bananas. I can't, I've can't. i never seen him live yet with that red light on, but I can only imagine what that looks like. It's probably super annoying, and WWE needs to find a way to get rid of it. So if the red light is the thing that is the weakness, 
and Daniel Bryan figures it out, or if it isn't Daniel Bryan and it's Roman Reigns or whatever. My point here is that the idea that they're dropping this hint that Bray Wyatt can be beaten, that the Fiend is not an unstoppable monster, that he does have a weakness and somebody's going to figure it out at some point, that's a massive character shift in direction for the Fiend. That this opens up a whole new world of possibilities. And my next question is this. You look at a guy like Goldberg, who was undefeated for however many matches in a 164-0 or whatever it was, and when he finally lost... It changed everything for him. He wasn't even remotely as popular as he was before. Will that happen with The Fiend? I'm thinking maybe not because his character is so interesting and different. He's such a good talker and his promos are out of this world. But part of the draw and appeal to The Fiend is that he is unstoppable. So what happens when you finally stop him, when you beat him and he loses for the first time? Does that change the way you look at him? Is he as popular as he once was or does it go the other way and he just loses his mind he he goes even farther off the edge of crazy because he was finally beaten and someone has figured out how to stop him what does that mean so there's so many possibilities here i'm loving the idea that they're opening this up and that finally we're learning that there might be a weakness and someone can figure it out figure out what it is and that'll be awesome i don't think it's going to be brian that figures it out even though they're dropping the hints right now it'll be somebody else but i've also heard and there was a card for wrestlemania 36 that was apparently leaked and it's real it's probably fake but that daniel bryan and roman reigns versus the fiend in a triple threat match is where they're going for wrestlemania 36 i don't know if i'm buying that if that's going to be the main event i guess it's possible and if the fiend the fiend and daniel bryan's feud continues then i guess you can't just pull daniel bryan out of that but maybe there's a way to beat him and brian's worked into all this because they're dropping the hints now so i thought that was the most interesting part of smackdown on friday I like Morrison's return. I like some other stuff, but and the Otis and Mandy Rose stuff is about the funnest thing you're gonna watch on TV. But the Fiend actually having a possible weakness and being beatable, I think that's a huge, huge change that WWE has opened up, and it's gonna be interesting to watch. Here's a report and a story I hope isn't true, but our own Alex Hogler at uh, the Sportser has written an article on this that the Wrestling Observer has reported that Matt Hardy and WWE are having trouble coming to agreements, terms on a new deal. That's not the really surprising part. That sounds like it's been going on back and forth for a while, and that Matt Hardy might not be as relevant to WWE as we're all hoping that Matt Hardy is, and we like Matt Hardy, and we want to see him stick around, and that he's got the ability to really create a character that we could all really get behind, but WWE just doesn't seem to see it. But at the same time, they probably don't want to let him go, so they're just offering him maybe a deal to stick around. Anyway, it sounds like Hardy isn't quite there and that he might be leaving. Well, the latest report is that there's a rumor he could be headed towards AEW when his contract expires and that he would be the leader of the Dark Order, the faction, if you've been watching AEW, that recruits people somewhat like a gothic version of the New World Order where they have all these masks and minions and they're growing their numbers and they want to recruit you and all this sort of stuff. Matt Hardy as the leader of the Dark Order would be cool, but here's the deal. The Dark Order already has a leader. The Dark Order is not really a terribly popular faction yet. They're getting a lot of time on AEW television, and I think the idea is to make them popular, but I don't know if Hardy's the guy. I don't. I, I see the fit. I understand why people might speculate that that could be a rumor, but Hardy, to me, I like him a lot, and I don't mean disrespect, but he's washed up. He's older. He's not as relevant as he used to be so making him the leader of the dark order doesn't necessarily do for the dark order what i think AEW would like it to do which is make it kind of a new young hipper darker you know underground gothic sort of faction that builds a lot of steam i don't know if hardy as your leader gets that done 
Um, so I also don't know if Hardy would want to do it. I mean, it, I, you get how we can see the connection, right? Like the delete character and the Dark Order, they're somewhat dark and mysterious and brooding and all that stuff. I get it. Like, I totally understand the connection that people are trying to make here. But Hardy going over and wanting to do that, I just don't know. I mean, maybe he wants an opportunity to be a top dog or something like a top dog in a promotion, and clearly he's not getting that in WWE. Eventually, though, I see Hardy, if there is a deal offered to him by WWE, he's going to stay. It's a longer-term, more stable contract. It probably will lead from him leaving the in-ring performer at some point and going on to being a producer. And I think Hardy has a lot to offer WWE and young talents and people working on their promo skills and creating a character and reinventing themselves and doing all those things in WWE. I think Hardy's an asset there, and I think WWE would be crazy to let him go for that reason alone. Could Hardy go to AEW? Sure. If his contract expires and he doesn't get an offer from WWE and it looks like he's got no real other options, I can see why AEW might want Hardy. I just don't know if I see the fit here. So it is a rumor. I'm not taking away from the report, but at the same time, for me, my personal opinion is I don't really see it. So I guess we'll have to keep our eyes on that one. We've talked about a lot about Chris Jericho on this podcast. I'm going to tell one more story here, uh, one more report that I've read. It's interesting, and it really kind of has you take another look at Jericho's career from this point on, and you wonder what could have been. Kurt Angle was a guest on the Chris Van Vliet YouTube video show. Uh, Chris Van Vliet, if you don't know him, he's a fantastic guy, really good interviewer. He has a YouTube channel where he interviews a lot of wrestlers. Well, he interviewed Chris Kurt Angle, and Kurt Angle revealed that at the time the WWE made Chris Jericho the WWE Undisputed Champion, so way back when he first won the Undisputed Championship over The Rock, Steve Austin, Kurt Angle, that Chris Jericho was not the original guy that was supposed to win that title. Kurt Angle was. He was booked to win the, the Undisputed Championship, and Vince McMahon called him about five days before that match and said, hey, look, I'm interested in doing this with Jericho. I'm wondering what you think. I'd like to run it by you. And Kurt Angle said, I'm totally for it. I think if anybody can do this, it's going to be Chris Jericho. I think he needs the push more than I do. I think he could carry the torch. He could be your guy. The rest was history. I don't know if had Kurt Angle said, no, 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 you owe this to me. You promised if Vince would have changed his mind. Maybe not. He probably would have done it anyway. But it goes to show you that Kurt Angle understood the product. He understood the business, and he was ready to give that shot to Jericho, who he thought could carry the torch. But it's very interesting because Chris Jericho... It was a huge deal when he showed up in WWE for the first time. But if you remember correctly, that buzz didn't last very long. He struggled early on. And he's talked about this in some of his interviews and videos in WWE that he kind of didn't really quite grasp how to wrestle in WWE at first. And he didn't understand their format. And he couldn't quite gain his footing. And he sort of dipped in popularity. And it wasn't really until he, he worked his way back up a little bit and then won this WWE Undisputed Championship that he became as big as he eventually was. What would have happened had that not gone down? Would Chris Jericho still be a star? Yes, of course. Would he be as big a star as he became? Probably not. He milked, and rightfully so, he milked that win till the like all the way to the bank. He talked and talked and talked about how he was the first ever WWE Undisputed Champion. He, he built his career in WWE off of that, essentially. And to date, now he's gone on, and he made an argument that he should have been considered the wrestler of the year in 2019, and he has a legitimate argument there that because he left and he went to AEW and he's wrestled in Japan and he drew just tickets for them there, and that he's been the face of AEW and really the reason that you know they've been doing as well as they've been doing, 
He's got a legit argument there. I'm just wondering, had he not won that WWE Undisputed Championship, if any of that would have ever happened? I don't know that it would have. I could have seen Kurt Angle going in a totally different direction where he would have been a massive, massive star, bigger than he already was. But Chris Jericho, had he not, where would he have gone after that? He basically would, would have just been the guy who everyone expected to lose to The Rock and Steve Austin and Kurt Angle, and he did. But that's not what happened. Chris Jericho won the Undisputed Championship. He built his career on the back of that win. And it sounds as though, and Kurt Angle didn't say this, so I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it sounds almost like had it not been for Angle, none of that would have happened. So I'm wondering if at some point, if Chris Jericho knows that story, and said to Kurt Angle, hey, by the way, I heard that you did this for me. I appreciate that you did this for me. Thank you very much that you did this for me. And back then it wouldn't have been a deal, but, you know, send him a little bit of the bubbly, give him a bottle of champagne and say, thank you very much, because without you, none of this would have been possible for me. I just thought that was a really, really interesting part of that interview. And it goes to show you just how much Kurt Angle understood the business. Yes, Kurt Angle was always known as a guy who grasped the in-ring part of the business faster than maybe anyone but he also understood the business itself as a story as a character build as a unit of people working together that a good guy needs a bad guy and a bad guy needs a good guy and there has to be adversaries and foes and you can't just run a company by yourself you can't be the Hulk Hogan in wrestling anymore there's got to be a handful of guys that run the ship together as a top crew and he saw Jericho as one of those guys so very interesting story. I love the idea that that's out there. Um, I'm curious to see whether or not Jericho would admit it. I'd love to get his comments on that and see if he thinks that that's something he was aware of. In a little bit more AEW news, if you're a fan of Luke Harper or what could eventually become Brody Lee, you're going to love this latest story. Brody Lee, Luke Harper, was caught on camera i shouldn't say caught but he posted a photo of himself with some members of the inner circle inner circle aew's biggest faction right now there is buzz that luke harper will wind up in aew at some point we're probably going to see that when we see that i don't know and if you're looking forward to luke harper being in aew well this is just good news for you because it leans more towards the idea that he's going to eventually wind up there I don't know that he joins the inner circle, but he's going to do something with AEW at some point. He'd probably do it under the name Brody Lee. But if you're looking forward to that, you might not love this. Marty Skrull, who is a close friend of Luke Harper, who has also been rumored to go to AEW, is now a free agent. Apparently, Ring of Honor has offered him what could be WWE main roster, and I'm doing air quotes. I know that you can only hear this, but you can't see me. Air quotes. WWE main roster money to stick with Ring of Honor. He would clearly be the biggest star in that company. That's probably attractive for him if he's getting that kind of money. There is still buzz that he's going to wind up in AEW at some point. He's doing his NWA thing right now, and that could be where this goes. But that could mean Marty Skrull does not show up with Luke Harper in AEW. That would be a bummer to me because I'd love, if there's anybody I could pick to join AEW at this point, Skrull would be the guy. I'd love to see him in WWE, to be honest with you. I think if he were to go to NXT, he could be a huge, huge star for that. He owns the Villain Club gimmick, so he could bring that with him. I just don't know if that's where he wants to go. So he should wind up in AEW. He's probably, who knows where he's going to go. But for Luke Harper fans, for Brody Lee fans... He's probably going to AEW, and these new photos are just more evidence of that fact. 
All right, my final question for you today before we close things off for this week's episode of the Smart Marks of Wrestling Podcast is this. What the heck is a fist fight? I mean, I know what a fist fight is in real life, but what is a fist fight in terms of a WWE match? That's the question we're all going to be asking heading into Monday's Raw. Kevin Owens is asking that too. He's come out and said, can someone explain to me, please, what are the rules of a fist fight? I have no idea what they are, and I'm in one. So he's going to be teaming with Samoa Joe and Big Show, who made his return on Monday's Raw, by the way. They'll be doing a fist fight with AOP and Seth Rollins on this week's Raw. They've never done a fist fight like this in WWE before. Nobody knows what the rules are going to be. WWE has not explained in any way what the rules are going to be, and we're probably going to learn that on this Monday's Raw just prior to the match actually happening. But Kevin Owens came out and said on Twitter, Can someone tell me what the rules to a fistfight are? If I punch through Seth's face, do we win? I called Vince this week to ask him, and he put me on hold for 5 hours and 18 minutes before the call mysteriously dropped. Anyway, let me know. So he has no idea what a fistfight is. None of us know what a fistfight is in terms of WWE action. We haven't been told anything. We haven't been leaked anything. It sounds like this is just something that they completely threw together at the last minute just to try to appease people to come in and watch WWE. It's working because we're probably all going to tune in and go, what the heck is a fistfight going to look like? So we're not going to watch and find out what the deal is. It's probably going to be a massive letdown. My guess here is that the Big Show, who, by the way, is notorious for heel, babyface, heel, babyface, heel, all these turns that he's done, probably more than any wrestler in the history of wrestling, has turned babyface to heel and heel. He's probably going to turn on one of these guys and knock somebody out, winning the match, the fist fight, because he's got that fist. That's his finisher. He punches guys out. He's probably going to turn on Owens or Samoa Joe, join AOP and Seth Rollins, maybe not even join them, just here's some money, go away now. Uh, whatever the case is, but that's probably what's going to happen here with this fist fight thing. But I'm curious as to what the rules are. Is it like last man standing kind of deal? You punch a guy, you knock him out, he can't get up. Clearly that favors the big show. But why would they go into a match like this with those odds so so stacked towards Owen, Samoa Joe, and, and Big Show? Doesn't make a lot of sense. There's definitely a twist coming here. I don't know what the twist is going to be. I don't understand what the rules are going to be. Obviously, the people in the match don't know what the rules are going to be, and I think that could be a major part of this Monday's Raw, so we should watch for that. But if you have any idea what a fist fight is, feel free to comment. Let me know. Put it in the comment section. Uh, rate, subscribe, share, download, join, and listen to other archived versions of this podcast. That's going to do it for us this week. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you very much. Don't forget, you can listen to us on Anchor.fm. You can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, any podcast platform that you like to listen to, you'll be able to find the show as well. Don't forget, Monday night, so after Raw this week, we're going to do a Facebook Live on the Sportser Facebook page. You can join us after the show. We're going to talk and dissect Raw, the good, the bad, the winners, the losers. We'll go through that whole thing. And, of course, every Wednesday and Friday, we've got the TS Newscast reports where you'll catch me in my pretty little face on Wednesdays and Fridays talking about you know the stories in WWE and AEW. And as well, you can catch me on and all my articles on thesportster.com. We try to highlight some of the best stories on the website. So go to thesportster.com. Thank you once again for joining us. Please share, rate, and subscribe to this download. Give us a five-star rating on, on iTunes because it really helps us out. And we'll see you next week. We'll talk to you next week. We'll hopefully listen to, to each other next week. And we're looking forward to another good week. And as we lead into the Royal Rumble, what is WWE got planned for us in the week that comes Talk to you next week on the Smart Marks Wrestling Podcast presented by thesports.com. My name is Jim Parsons. Thank you very much. Uh-huh.